Welcome to episode number 14 of the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. My name is Kieran and I'm your co-host for this evening. With Adam Childs, also co-host with Kieran. This just keeps going back and forth. And you're like, and I'm Kieran, co-host <laughs> with, with Adam. That's like Adam, a, co-host with Kieran. It's like, Adam uh, is, dude, where's my car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like, dude, what's your tattoo? It's yeah. sweet. Yeah, and they just keep oh, going. What's my say? Dude. say? Dude, yeah. Oh, what's my <laughs> say? Sweet. Oh, man. If you haven't seen that and you don't know what we are talking about, please don't judge us on this intro. If this is your first episode, it, it does get better, I promise. <laughs> we do start talking about And if it doesn't, well, you won't know unless you stick around. Exactly. Right? You, you won't know. However, if it is your first time listening to the podcast, feel free to follow us on your streaming platform of choice. And we are pretty active on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at beyond jiu-jitsu underscore podcast. So check that out. Now, just for a little bit of housekeeping, we will be doing a Q&A episode coming up very shortly. So if you want to submit a question to the show, please do so over at our Instagram. Just slide straight into our DMs and uh, just let us know it's a question for the show and we will answer your question live on the air. If you didn't catch last episode's podcast, episode number 13, we talked all about self-defense and whether jujitsu was actually applicable for self-defense. And it's probably one of my- Spoiler uh, alert, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely in my top three favorite podcast episodes. I that thought it was done. a really good episode. Yeah. I mean, obviously you and I are semi-biased. If, mm. if we, we at least <laughs> think our, our episodes are at least rank a one out of 10. Otherwise we wouldn't bother doing them. Exactly. But I thought it was so actually- you heard it here first, folks. Episode 13 was a one out of 10. <laughs> but I thought it was it was a good episode. I thought yeah. we it was a really good conversation about, uh, well, self-defense as a whole, but obviously the, mm. the, the question was whether jujitsu is good for self-defense. So I would recommend checking out that episode. 100%. Uh, it was a good one. So in this episode, though, we are talking all about technical mistakes that lower belts make. So some of the most common technical mistakes made by white belts or lower belts in general. Because, I mean, before we started recording, we thought we were recording, but... <laughs> I wasn't. We did a whole first 10 minutes where we had such good oh, banter such going banter on, bro. And you, and then, you guys will never hear it. And it's then, lost. And then Kieran was like, oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> Look down and we I'm weren't, not recording. We weren't even recording. <laughs> yeah. But we are recording now, so you'll be able to hear our dulcet tones from here on. And, well, we sort of mentioned that if we did an episode about – five of the most common mistakes. We could be talking about anything. Oh, anything, right? Could, like you could, I mean, specifically where, you know, if we say five common white belt mistakes, man, like could be not knowing how to tie your belt, not yeah. not lining up, not greeting the instructor, not could be etiquette rules things. And, yeah. to, you know, so anything. we're trying to be a bit more specific. One, just so it is more specific and not trying to cover a million things with just five mistakes but also so in the future we could come back to this and say, you know, today we're doing five technical mistakes yes. of lower belts. We could come back saying five etiquette mistakes yeah, that exactly. white belts make. Exactly. Five, you know. Uh, five mistakes. Common mistakes that white belts make when competing or yeah. whatever. Right. So I think this is our first episode where we're really going to delve into jiu-jitsu technical jiu-jitsu specifically. We're going to attempt to describe jiu-jitsu to you over audio format straight to your ears and into your brain 
So strap in. Adam, take it away. <laughs> I do it from an ASM. Oh, yeah, because we're, we're talking about – okay, so we're talking about ASM uh, in, our, in the first recording of this intro. That, for did, some, not, that did not record. That did not record. Somehow we got onto the track of ASM and, uh, you know, videos of people eating and whispering and shit like that. Yeah. Let's just skip over it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, just so to make sense for people who don't know what ASM is, it's a – it's some a form demographic of audio that, sensory. Yeah, that people like listening to to people eat, or sometimes it's people whispering, and they'll—I mean—they'll just be talking about something so irrelevant. They'll be describing going to the shops, yeah, or whatever. But they're whispering into the microphone, or yeah, they're just slowly eating Doritos. And man, people mm. are into it. I find it weird, uh, but if that's what you want, I mean, we'll pretty much do anything. We'll, we will do ASM <laughs> exclusively on our Patreon page. So if you want to support our ASM endeavors, head over to Patreon at Beyond Jiu-Jitsu on, on uh, Patreon and you can support the show. All right. With that said. <laughs> that was a really weird plug. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's so. move on. So technical mistakes. Mm. Um, again, the last thing that we, we mentioned that was recorded slash not recorded, I did ask you your – thoughts on technical mistakes before I went into mentioning my professional opinion of what are the some of the more common technical mistakes that lower belts make I will get you just to mention again what yeah. what we spoke about we'll say off air yeah we will say off air so yeah. before the, before we knew we weren't recording uh I basically mentioned now I have the insight of having Adam's five technical mistakes that he's going to talk about in front of me as talking points here however for me personally, some of the biggest mistakes that I've made as a white belt is base, like not having correct balance and base and just conceding sweeps for no reason. I'm, uh, so a most common example is I had a role with Andreas, a brown belt that trains at our gym. And I oftentimes literally just pull him on top into a sweep and give him two points. That is a terrible habit to be in. The reason I do it, I, I, I think that it's because I don't really understand the position and I don't really understand in the moment that by doing that, I'm giving him points and I'm conceding a sweep. I thought it was because you're a bottom and not a top. That as well, yes. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I definitely play top. Um, I, don't, I don't play a lot of guard. That's what you're talking about, Adam. Uh, um. And yeah, so... I suppose in that scenario, when I want to start playing guard, if I just pull him on on top, I'm just giving him points. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But not even that. If I'm going for like, if I'm going for a takedown, and I'll easily get rolled or flipped, not yeah. understanding yeah. my base, or, or even being too heavy on my feet in yeah, stand up. Not, yeah, yeah, like being the opposite. You know, almost the opposite having of having a good much. base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have another rigid. another one of my students who kind of has that problem. Like he can be very heavy on top. But I said to him, you know, I tried to explain it as he can be really heavy, almost like he's a, a, a stone statue. You know, he can be really heavy. But I, I've said to him, man, I need you to be a stone statue but that can move its legs. Mm. You know, you're a statue that's come to life, you know, because he'll be so heavy, but you can kind of almost just once he, he parts yeah, yeah, once he passes that pivot point, he'll be in a position where he could just step his leg out and not fall over, but he doesn't, you know. So um yeah, that's that's even though you did have that note in front of you because it's on my list. Yeah. That is that um, is legitimately something that I, I yeah, th with. so that's that's one of the so let's kick off with that. 
that is one that lower belts, almost all lower belts make. And it's it's that lack of, of base and that lack of of understanding of, of staying on top and just falling over too easy. When you roll with lower belts a lot of the time, you don't even have to sweep them. They just fall over by themselves. <laughs> and not all, yeah. all lower belts do it. I'll give you an example of, of lower belts. Brand new day one, for example, white belts that you don't see this from. And it's, it's any, any beginners that come from a, another sport of wanting to be on top, for lack of a better term. So here in Australia, if you get someone who's played a lot of rugby, rugby league or rugby union, they typically don't have that, that they don't make that mistake. Because, yeah, it's not wrestling like we have in the US, but it's still you're trying to tackle someone and hold them down and stay on top until the referee awards it as a tackle. Right. So you don't really get it from those people, but otherwise any other beginners, it's a big mistake. They just, they'll be on top and you don't even have to do anything and they just fall over and you go, okay. And come on top. Mm. Right. And if we're talking about sport jujitsu, yeah, that awards two points. If we're talking about other jujitsu submission only, I mean, okay, it doesn't matter, but it's still not understanding your base and your, your falling over against your will. Right. You're not controlling your own body in that You're position. Not, let yeah, alone your like opponent. how are you supposed to control someone else if you can't even control your own body from mm. falling over? It's different if, of course, a black belt versus a, a white belt, the black belt will be able to sweep the white belt. You would hope. <laughs> you would hope, yeah, unless it's Eric. I was about to say, unless <laughs> I, I thought you were going down a different road there. I thought you were like, unless it's a Gracie Baja black belt, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like something really vicious. No, we've Just got, kidding, we've got um, a student, Eric Dorbeck is his name, and uh, he's a white belt like no other. I would love to have him on the podcast one day, but Eric is pretty much my size. I can't believe you said that to my face. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's the best white belt I've ever seen. He's like, yeah, no. all other, makes all other white belts look like yeah, shit. Puts, yeah, makes especially it, you. Yeah, especially you, Kieran. <laughs> no, so uh, anyone listening who, who trains with us knows who I'm talking about. I mean, Eric is he's he's a big six, boy. 6'4", and he's just incredibly talented because he's an ex-professional basketball player from mm. Estonia. If you don't know, like that part of Europe is, is really big in basketball. And I've heard from someone else from Estonia that apparently Eric and his brother are, are superstars in Estonia. Oh, like, like not just professional basketball as in, oh, yeah, but in Estonia. It's like, no, like man, legitimately ex-professional basketball player. So the fact that he's, you know, tall, strong, mobile and has a professional athlete's mentality oh, yeah. makes him super He's tough. very hard to yeah. deal with. Yeah, he's really hard to deal with. And, and again, the fact that he's then really tall as well as a white mm. belt, really good base. Mm. I mean, you know, a sport like basketball, I guess, you know, yeah, it's not a tackling and technically not a uh, contact sport, but, you know. Well, you, you can bring that athleticism and then yeah. you as a coach, you arm him with the tools of jiu-jitsu and then once he has that knowledge, it's it's kind of like when you see really big, strong dudes and the the common or people used to say it to me, and I'm no I'm not bigger or as strong as, as Eric, but people used to even say it to me like, oh, when you get some jujitsu under you, you're gonna be real dangerous. Yeah, and I suppose yeah. Eric is is literally the the byproduct of that. He's an example of that. Yeah, he's a, a tough, talented white belt and apparently basketball player too. 
Mm, apparently, you know, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have him on on one day. He's yeah, a, he's we'll a su- definitely have him super on the show. lovely he'll, dude. He will come on. I always say like, oh man, f Eric, yeah. just <laughs> just because he's he's really hard to deal with. But no, nah, er, Eric's yeah. a really lovely guy. Uh, he's not a white belt that just falls over, you know. Whereas but, I am. Yeah, but you know that's you just see it all the time with really brand new people. They don't even fight to try to stay on top. And and base is one of the core principles of jiu-jitsu, understanding base, your base, your opponent's base, and constantly trying mm. to, to expose it. So right? there's three there's three core principles. In, in Adam's, in way Adam explains jiu-jitsu for the listeners, there's three core principles. It's base, leverage, and applied technique. Yeah. So base being one of them, being one of the most critical when we're talking about technical mistakes that lower belts make, it's obvious that it's probably one of the first that we're going to talk about. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it, it can just come from not really training sometimes any sport at all. Mm. If you get someone who comes from striking into jujitsu, they understand base, right? Pretty much automatically, maybe not as well when you think about base on the ground, like if you're side control or something or yeah, mount or and mount, trying to yeah. stay on top. Yep. But just in terms of, you know, if you get someone who's done striking and they're standing up and I'm playing open guard, they're not just going to like stumble and fall over. They yeah. understand what it means to have a staggered stance. And it's and, even balance, right? You know, it's yeah, like, it's not even they, understanding. It's practical, like practical application of, of applied technique. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it takes practice. Yeah. And yeah. They, they have those hours of practice, like you said. Uh, in the in the case of Eric, he's he's a ex professional athlete. Therefore, he has practice with base. Yeah. And you you take rugby players; they have practice with base. They just yeah. maybe not in a jiu jitsu context. So, um, as a to already move on from base, I think my advice a, a way to mm. to kind of give one tip to to counteract these mistakes. If you're a brand new person. I'm not saying don't play guard and not learn how to play guard. I'm not saying that at all. We're talking about base at the moment and how to improve your base in a very simple, here's one tip. Yep. Just stay on top. Fight tooth and nail to stay on top. If you just, you know, because jujitsu is so diverse, so many different positions, I don't want to sit here and going, in this situation, do this, mm. but in this situation, do this and this and this. No, right? You just need one general tip stay on top yeah turn it almost into a game when you're a kid and you play the floor is lava you have one goal don't touch the floor Mm. right because it's lava (laughs) so just a general tip of no just stay on top don't fall over if you stumble and land on your butt get back on top top. fight get on top like that by default like starting to ingrain that into yourself is going to improve your base and your balance of course there are things you could do to improve your balance, stability work with joints and muscles. No, we're not going down that road. I'm just giving a generic tip. If you're someone who struggles from having poor base and being one of those people that just falls over, you know, opposed to getting swept, just fight, stay on top. Imagine if you fall over, it's, it's game over, fight's over, you lose, go home. Right? And you're going to start to get a better base. You're going to start to post a hand and a foot out not to fall. Or, you know, when you do stumble, get up off your elbow and get back on top. Yeah, your body will learn how to respond to different forces applied to you. And not be one of those people who just goes, oh, no. Oh, no. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm on the floor. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not just white belts. I mean, I, I remember it happened in one of my competitions as a blue belt in Brazil. 
I, I mean, slightly different situation, but it was a bit the same. Like I kind of got swept and I could have controlled my base better and, and stayed on top, but I didn't. Mm. And then I was like, it's cool. I'll sweep him back and win. And I didn't end up, that's not how it played out. And I lost. Right. Whereas really if I, if I had a better base and didn't just like fall over, I would have stayed on top and, yeah. you know, potentially won the fight. Yeah. That's the advice you gave me. Like early days, you were you were hammering, uh, in a good way, obviously, um, at me staying on top, like because yeah. it was happening to me consistently. Yeah, like every time I'd get swept, I would. I'd and it wasn't yeah, it I'd wasn't even you got into, swept, yeah, right? I just, you just, I just fell over because we were fall. also trying to, you know, not break a bad habit. It hadn't turned into a bad habit, but we were trying to not even. It's almost it like the seed had been sowed, but we were trying to dig it back out. No, yep. no, no. Before it starts growing, yeah. we got to stop this. You yep. know, again, I'm not saying you can't play guard. I'm not advising lower belts to not learn how to play guard and only be on top. No, but we're just talking about the specific, specifically Im- improving this problem. Okay, so what's another big, most common technical mistake that white belts, white belts or lower belts make? So another one, if if we're connecting with the the base and something that you had a problem with just falling over being a bigger guy falling over yep is one that gets a lot of flack which is that white belt spaz a lot and use too much strength this isn't so much a mistake as more i just want to make a point of of educating people on this topic which is there's a difference between there's a line between spazzing and using strength. And that is a line that lower belts can't find from a technique point of view. Usually because they don't yet have the technique to know where that line is, but the point I want to make is that spazzing is not good because it usually results in hurting yourself or or your partner, but using your strength is there is nothing wrong with that at all, okay? People get heaps of flack for using strength in jiu-jitsu and it's the most ridiculous argument of all time. And it's- on air, I think I want to bring up something that that happens to someone that may be a little bit, you know, look like they're strong or trained, you know, maybe you've hit, hit some weights and, and then you start, you know, training jiu-jitsu, you will hear a lot because I certainly do. Oh, you're just so strong. Like I can't deal with this because you're so strong. Yeah. It's it's completely disregarding all of my yeah. jiu-jitsu. Dude, I got it for years. I still get it now. Yeah. People complain that oh, you're so tall, your legs are yeah. so long. Because and like the like, issue yeah. that we're having here, and this is a little bit of ego, but the issue that we're having that Adam and I have spoken about before is they are basically saying, without actually saying the words, if you were shorter, I would win. Or if that's you, what it feels if like, we yeah. were, yeah, like when I roll with someone, it's just they just don't take it seriously. Yeah, Jared. yeah, man, like let's fuck them up. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm going on, I'm going on record and say fuck those guys. No, no but like, it, say for example, if I if I roll with another white belt, they're just oh, you're just too strong. Like oh, you're so strong. Like you're yeah. too strong. It's like well, yeah, bro, but I I fucking took you back. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's it's silly. So it's so spazzing is a mistake, right? But I I just want people to understand. So what is spazzing? So in your opinion, describe, describe a spazzy white belt to us. Do you have any footage of you rolling? I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, do, you want, do you want me to just overlay that? If, you, <laughs> if just... you're watching the YouTube version of this podcast, we're um, demonstrations <laughs> to follow. So um, spazzing is just, I mean, a, a way you could visualize it mm-hmm. is 
watching someone spaz when they're when they're training or rolling is like watching a fish that you've just caught and it's lying on the deck out of water. That's that's what spazzing right. looks like. A fish in just human form. in human form of just flopping around like no idea, just desperate to get back in the water. So it definitely right? is me rolling. <laughs> You're like, oh God, oh, I didn't yeah. think about it like that. <laughs> I, if I feel like, I mean, I've been invoking my inner fish. Oh God. <laughs> that, you know, that's kind of what spazzing is. And it's incredibly uncontrolled. So it's not using strength in a controlled manner. I'm not even talking about in a technical application. It's like, you know, using your body in ways that it's mechanically not designed mm. to do. And so that's how you hurt your own back or shoulder mm. and things like that. But so spazzing is no good, but using your strength is fine. So if you're someone who, who thinks that they spaz a bit or they've been told that they're guilty of it, it's cool. But I just want you to start to think about the line of where that is versus using strength because typically what people are told when they when they spaz out is to man you're using too much strength you need to relax blah 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 and that's part of it sometimes people spaz in the sense that they're permanently tense and that's exhausting right as, as someone yourself who did competitive bodybuilding you would know that just when when bodybuilders perform on stage, that is ex- ex- incredibly exhausting. All the yeah. the tensing and everything you're yeah. doing of yeah, your posing, muscles, posing, right? is posing. A, sorry, posing is, is a workout. Like it's, it's, a full, it's tough. It's super tough. Like so for those that think, oh yeah, but I flex in the mirror all the time. It's fucking easy. Like if if you're on stage in the front of the lights and you're doing like bodybuilding posing routine, it is tough. You'll be sweating. Yeah. buckets after. Do, it, yeah, trust if, me. if you don't if you don't believe us right now, just try do like a a. Uh, any bodybuilding strongman pose oh, and, yeah. and hold it for a minute. And the chances are you're probably doing it wrong. Like- yeah, <laughs> it's hard, right? So sometimes people spaz in a sense that they're tense the entire time, yeah. right? Of course, that's that's exhausting. But they're often told, oh, you use too much strength, you need to relax, blah, blah, blah. No, man, like there is nothing wrong with using your strength in a controlled manner. And anyone, if you're a white, whatever belt, anyone who's telling you otherwise is is ignorant or or insecure about their own skills as a jiu-jitsu practitioner. So I, I have heard arguments against this though. Like against I've, what, using I, strength? Yeah, against like focusing on your strength, like using your strength because you've got it. Now I did a YouTube video on this, like things that I wish I knew or something along those lines. And one of the points I made, because you know, you being my coach, I've regurgitated one of the points that you taught me was use your strength because you've got it. Like mm-hmm. I remember, I think it was in my first one. Of, you probably for sure got some YouTube comments saying. Oh yeah, 100% that's I did. A, that's wrong. Yeah, I did. I did. And one of them explicitly was, well, my coach told me. It was like, you know, my yeah, dad right. beats up your dad. It, was, it, was one, it had that sort of uh, feeling behind it. If you go through my YouTube, you find this comment. Um, and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't negative, but he was just saying like, well, my coach told me that – you can always tie yourself out and lose your strength like through um, – I'm butchering this, but basically the concept is that if you get tired, you're no longer strong, right, because you're tired and you can't apply strength. However, technique doesn't tire. So if you focus on technique and you always you know, work on your technique over any applied strength, you'll never you – know, t- your technique will never tire. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it's so wrong. Yeah, I agree. It's so wrong. It's I honestly agree. I think it's ridiculous. Te- technique doesn't tire. That's re- like uh, the, 
the the theory of if you're looking at it like a chess game, like mm. the 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 theory of the applied technique doesn't tire, but to to think that when you f- physically get tired, that you don't then mentally get tired. Yeah. I mean, what's this dude smoking, right? Yeah. Whatever that – I mean, it he's repeating really what his coach says. Yeah. Man, I think this like, it comes from like a Gracie quote at some point or something like that or whatever. Man, you can get you can get incredibly mentally exhausted in jiu-jitsu where you just – like your, your brain stops functioning properly, mm. right? I mean, and that's just in any sport. Like you get – you reach a certain level of, of fatigue – right it's not only that you're now not strong like you're not you're not thinking clearly like you know so it's technique goes as well when you're tired i get the point they're trying to make but unfortunately they are wrong yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah there's nothing wrong with with using strength right people who get criticized for using their strength it's no different to me criticizing you know a small guy who's super flexible or something, you know, and using their flexibility. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, oh man, you know, you're using too much. You're relying too much on flexibility. It's like, yeah, but I can use my flexibility and yeah. recover my guard, or yeah. my flexibility allows me to pummel my my lasso back in, right? Like, you know, it's it's no different because they're both physical attributes that you can that you can get better at, right? Like, oh, I'm naturally not strong. Well, you know you can go get stronger. I'm not yeah. saying it's easy, but you can. Oh, I'm not naturally flexible. You know you can get more flexible. So here's another counter argument that some people throw into the mix in this conversation is what if you come against someone that is as strong as you, but they've been focusing on, you know, technique rather than implied strength. So, you know, you're matched in strength, but they would have better technique than you. Of course that like if – if every single attribute is equal, well, then the, you know, there has to be one defining factor, right? If every attribute is equal and the only deviation in the comparison is the technique, then the more technical person will win, right? Yeah. But it's not as simple. Yeah. It's not as simple as that. Like, what yeah. if, you know, if that's just a, a silly argument because I could say, okay, we got two people, everything is exactly the same. They're both the exact same technical skill. Everything's the same except this person's slightly stronger. Mm. Well, then that, that, if that's the only deviation- in Then the, the person that's stronger is going to get the upper hand. And right. I, made this, I made this exact argument in, but it the, also, in the video that But I it also goes a bit, a bit more um, practical than that as well because you could then argue that, all right, you might be, you might have- the slight technical upper hand and yeah, we're both as strong as each other, but because I use my strength, like I'm going to be able to apply that technique stronger. Yeah. Explosively applied. And you will technique. be able to apply it, yes. you know, cause yeah, you've got the strength, but you don't have the strength application of the technique. Mm. Whereas I've got the strength application. There's of course pros and cons to everything, but I, yeah. the, the, the fundamental point I'm trying to make is there's nothing wrong with using strength. That being spazzy is not good. And so if you're someone who's being told they're spazzy and they need to use less strength, yes, like, you know, that may be true to some degree, but I want you to understand that there's a line and don't think that just means now you don't use any strength. It's, again, no different to to using your strengths, no different to using your your flexibility. Yeah. And even beyond that, goes. It, it's no different to using attributes that you can't change. So, for example, Kieran using his strength is no different to, to me using my long legs. I can't change my long legs, right? It's no different to – Why not a, take advantage of them? 
So why not take advantage of them? You know, some people have got, some people are really small, 50 kilo, incredibly quick, agile people, you know, use your agility, bro. Yeah. And I think there, there can be an argument that's made that by understanding your, your strengths and being able to apply your strengths to the technique that you're learning will make you better at the technique rather than hinder it. And if strength really wasn't important, then why are there weight divisions? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Every single combat sport has weight divisions because it matters. When you're looking at two people and everything is more or less the same, weight weight is kind of a a very- correlated. Yeah. yeah, it's correlated because when you're strength, talking about right? professional athletes, the, the the heavier someone is, the more muscle they generally have. Y- yeah, and generally right? speaking, yeah. the more muscle you have, the more applied strength you have. Like yeah. very obviously, there's always outliers being very very general here, uh, but yeah, it it makes perfect sense when you when you look at it logically. And I think that do you think that this whole like don't use your strength, use your technique is a cultural thing, or is it just a fundamental mistake? Because I mean, I'm hearing this by association from other other coaches what do you mean a cultural thing well like um for example it might like based on uh, i hope i'm not misquoting this but based on those like gracie quotes that you know your technique never never uh tires and things like that and and try to use i mean i suppose when i first started training this is something that i was hearing a lot not from yourself but i was just hearing in general from like other students or online or or wherever to not use your strength or like to focus on the technique rather than your strength and if you try to apply your strength too much then you're going to hinder your technique progression and i think i even mentioned it to you at at some point like oh yeah i'm trying not to use too much i'm trying not to muscle my way in and out of things to to get better at technique and not like rely on my strength I'm not sure if this is just my individual experience, but it felt like a very cultural thing in jujitsu. Yeah, I don't know if it is. I mean, maybe, but yeah, I couldn't disagree more. Hey, mm. you know, like, and I'm, I don't know if that comes from my understanding and the way that I teach a lot of technique as well, because it's not. It's not like I leave anyone just to be doing strength, you know. I want them to, you know, use strength and their technique. You know, I have sometimes techniques do require a lot of strength and I don't want to say like, oh, just brute force, but, you know, yeah, yeah, like sometimes I'll have a student say like, oh, so you just muscle it. And it's like, no, like you, you muscle the technique. I've got a person who weighs the same as me trying to not let me do that. Like, you know, it's not all technique. Do you think Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, even the smaller guys, Manny Pacquiao, like, do you think they knock people out just with technique? No, man. They're they're they're, they're, they're they're super exactly they've got all these other physical like imagine if imagine if you turned and said to a boxer, bro, like you hit too hard, you gotta focus more on your technique. Mm. Uh, you'd be like, no, like you're you're using your strength, power, speed. You're hitting hard your with technique. technique. Yes, right. Yeah. So technique is still incredibly important. Like, but I think the whole point of this is technique is incredibly important, but it shouldn't be done in without strength. Like, you shouldn't yeah. exclude strength from your repertoire just because you know some pebble belt told you so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And another uh, a funny anecdote is uh, when Bernardo was like a blue belt, Bernardo Faria from, from Alliance BJJ Fanatics, 
when he was like a blue or a purple belt or something, his he went up to his coach and he was like, oh, coach, everyone, everyone just tells me that I'm using too much strength and I need to relax and blah, blah, blah. And his coach goes, well, do you get tired? Like, do, do you gas out? And he's like, no. He's like, well, then keep, keep doing it, yeah. right? And if you've never – well, most people listening – wouldn't have rolled with Bernardo, but if you do a 10 minute round with Bernardo, it's like at minute nine, he's going harder than he was at minute one. Like he just ramps up, you know? So, so to summarize before we move on to the next mistake is yeah, if, if, if there's no easy like tip because it's going to depend on, on each individual. Some people are maybe being told they're spazzing when they're not, they're just using strength. Some people maybe are full blown fish out of water spazzing. Mm. The, the tip I'm giving you is just understand there's a line, right? And using your strength with your technique, zero problem whatsoever. Anyone who tells you otherwise, like that, they're, they're almost not even worth listening to. Sounds good. So what's something else that uh, you find is a common technical error amongst lower belts. So the next one we'll move on to is a bit of, again, the, the fundamental concepts of jiu-jitsu that you mentioned that I always teach, which is uh, base leverage and applied technique. And understanding leverage is, is a super important technical application that, that lower belts don't quite get. And it's not, and, and it's worth saying as well that these mistakes aren't, any fault of the individual it's because it's a learning process yeah Yeah. it's a learning process they either haven't been taught them yet or they've come from another sport where it hasn't been important or whatever right but not understanding leverage is a big one and i like to explain it like the same way that you you know would jack up a car or something or or lever a rock off the ground you know understanding leverage is is crucial you know there's pros and cons to to different levers i'm really tall so i can create a lot of leverage right but it can also be used against me so if i'm caught in an armbar right and it's like and my arm's starting to become extended it's an incredibly long lever that is working against me yeah that makes sense it's like if you had a, a a one meter long you know stick and you want to break it in half, it's relatively easy because it's a long lever. But if you take that exact same stick, thickness thickness, and everything, and it's all of a sudden only like 20 centimeters long, it's much harder to break because you don't have as much leverage, right? So not understanding leverage of the different body parts is something that, that, that beginners struggle to understand. And I'll give you a simple example with arm bars, right? It's like being taught or understanding you know, which the orientation of, of the thumb, we use the thumb as a, as a guide to tell us the orientation of the elbow and to know that we need to lever the elbow in the opposite direction to apply the armbar, right? And lower belts, some, like they don't understand the leverage, so they don't control it correctly and they may be in a beautiful armbar, but they're not even extending the elbow into the wrong direction. They're not levering the elbow in the wrong direction. To break, right? The wrong to direction break, right? of the elbow. So the right direction for the technique is what you mean. Then, yeah, they're not levering it in the right, right direction. Right direction for the technique. Which is the wrong yeah. direction that the elbow <laughs> is supposed to bend. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. You know, um, and this also connects to base, right? Because sometimes, uh, let's say you're doing a technical stand up, 
right? Or a hip bump sweep, a, a technique where you need to put your hand on the mat in that sort of sitting up position, right? So this can be part of your base as well, as well because if you're doing a, a hip bump sweep or a technical stand up, that hand on the ground is a part of your base, right? And But that base only exists if you understand leverage because you need to have your fingers pointing in the right direction or your thumb, as I mentioned, for arm bars, your fingers and thumb pointing in the right direction to have the correct orientation of your elbow to lock it out so it becomes a strong lever. Mm. If you don't do those things, what happens? Your opponent just pushes you back down. Yeah, because you have a weak base. Because you have a weak base and you have a a weak base because of your lack of understanding of leverage. Yep. Right? So it's a much broader concept and it's not something you can just kind of learn overnight, I don't Mm. think. But beginners definitely when it comes to technique and applying their technique, don't think about the importance of the leverage that they're, you know. And again, sometimes it's very simple. You can, you know, yeah, the technical stand-up or an armbar, you can very clearly be like, here's the leverage, here's the lever, push, pull, done, right? Mm. Sometimes it can be a little bit more complicated than that if you're looking at, um, you know, complicated passes or sweeps. But leverage is another big one and it's a a fundamental point, right? Base leverage applied technique. How can someone, what's a a tip or, or something to at least consider for lower belts listening that are like, okay, yep, cool, ack, leverage is important. What, how can I apply this practically? How can, what's a key takeaway? My, my tip for better understanding leverage would be the, the way that works for me. I like to teach or for my brain, I understand things better if I can have some type of real world analogy. Some, if I can make an analogy that is connected but also removed from jujitsu. And the analogy that I gave, like a, a, a stick, like a bigger stick, like that's what that's what makes the most sense to me. So when I when I was a lower belt, that's literally the way I would think about it for it to make sense. I thought, okay, so if I'm, you know, if I'm trying to yeah lift something heavy the longer the lever I jam under that thing to jack it up, right, the, the more leverage I have. But at the same time, if I'm then trying to attack that lever, the longer it is, the more, the more leverage I can inflict yeah. on, the, on that lever. In this case, an arm, right, yeah, or something. Yeah. The armbar so, example is a really good one for that. So the way that it made a lot of sense for my brain was thinking about, yeah, okay, so – if I've got something, a bigger lever, I can create more leverage, but you can also apply more leverage mm. to that lever. So there's pros and cons. Yeah, right? and then you have more force, more breaking force to yeah. the joint. Yeah, yeah. So so just start to think about levers the exact way the word is. Like imagine mm. you were levering something, mm. right? Start to think about the way the, the joints lock in. You know, when you lock out your elbows and your shoulder, when you lock out your legs, you know, how you create a strong lever or how you also attack that lever against someone else, right? It's very, it can be really hard to armbar someone with short, stocky arms. Mm. That's a really small lever to try to attack. So that would be my advice, really thinking about how levers work. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so what's another position, uh, sorry, another technique that is a, a common mistake for white belts. 
Another one that is hard to, to grasp in the beginning from a technical point of view is the importance of grips. And this goes for gi and no gi, right? But the grip fight is so, so crucial. I teach this to my advanced students for, for competitive jiu-jitsu and I talk a lot about the initial grip fight. It's similar in judo. If you look at professional judo, like Olympic level judo, a fight can be won and lost in that initial grip fight, as in who gets the grip on the gi or their opponent that, that is the desired grip for them to execute their throw. And sometimes the fight is won and lost in the grip battle. And it's, this, you know, it's not exactly the same. It's not always as clear as that. But it's very similar in jiu-jitsu. Not understanding grips. We've got this one student at the moment who she's super, super tough. I, I actually, I'm not going to mention who it is, but if she's listening, she'll know I'm talking <laughs> who it is because I'm, I'm shocked at how good she is for how new she is to jiu-jitsu. But a lot of the times just like doesn't make any grips, you know, like her arms are just doing nothing. I'm like, like grab something, like mm. do something with it, right? Like this initial grip fight, you're fighting, you know, if we simplify it as in I've got four limbs and you've got four limbs, but you're doing nothing with your two arms, what's four versus two? Yeah. I'm going to crush you, right? Uh, so it's really important to understand grips and making grips. And we could spend a long time talking about you want this grip in this position, this grip in this position, right? You always have to consolidate some type of grip so if we go if i just want to mention a little bit if we move away from beginners because i will give the a generic tip for beginners before we move on to the next point but just to get a little bit more advanced about grips is you always have to consolidate some type of grip right but as you get more advanced you'll start to learn what grips are okay to consolidate depending on the position you're in and the techniques that you're the technique you're trying and the technique that your opponent's trying, right? So for example, there would be positions where no matter what, I would break the collar grip that my opponent has on my collar, right? Because for the particular position we're in, that collar grip can instantly turn into a sweep or a submission or whatever. But in a different position, that collar grip might be redundant. Would, a, or, would an example of that be if you're trying to pass someone's open guard and they have a collar grip on you? Uh, well, let's make it a little simpler. Like let's, well, yeah, okay. So maybe if I'm in an opponent's open guard mm -hmm. and the they've got, uh, and I'm trying to do some open guard passing, like uh, leg weaving passing where I'm standing up nice and tall, like sorry, mm -hmm. leg pummeling passing, maybe trying to go for a leg drag or something that collar grip alone could be shutting down my entire sequence because I'm, I, they keep breaking my posture. But then that exact same grip they've got, this, this collar grip, but maybe I'm trying to do more like less postured styled passing, like stack passing or yep. over under passing. And it doesn't matter as much. That collar grip might be redundant. It might, it might not do anything. Or something, yeah, or... obviously it's not as simple as that. You know, they can still do stuff with it. But I mean, the point I'm trying to make is you have to consolidate some type of grip. It's very unrealistic that you will make a positional progression before your opponent grabs something. But it depends what you're trying to do. You know, like, oh, I'm trying to do a knee cut. Well, that grip they have on my ankle is going to affect that. So I'll have to break that grip. But if I'm going for a leg drag, that grip is irrelevant. So I can con concede it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah. 
So that's obviously a bit more advanced. Beginners aren't going to grasp that yet. So the, the general tip, if you're brand new, if you're a little bit more advanced, like when we say lower belt, like, I mean, maybe you're still a purple belt, even though that's not a low belt. But if you're on the lower end, but you're not brand new, you could start thinking about that. Okay, you're always going to have to con concede some type of grip, but it depends on the position you're in. Depends on what, what you're willing to concede. Yeah, you know, on depending on what's happening. So there's other times where, I mean, if we do collar, collar grips again, that I'll be like, man, you have to break that collar grip. You have to break it because you're going to get loop choked or you're going to get whatever. But then there's other times that, man, that's fine. That collar grip does nothing against the, the particular pass you're trying to do or the position that you're in. Man, he can't even loop choke you from there. So that collar grip doesn't matter. So start to think about that. If you're brand new, like if you're newer than that, that that seems like a bit too much, I'll just, the simplest tip possible, just grab something. Yep. Just grab something, right? If you're really, if you're that new where it just is really not making any sense, grab something, okay? I think the only time you would maybe, you could maybe argue not to is if you're in a super defensive position, if, if they've mounted you or something, don't extend your arm up to grab the back of their head, you'll get arm barred. Yeah. You know, you, know, you could be then you're protecting your neck, but if you're just in your generic jujitsu engagement, grab something, right? Mm. You want to have a grip. Grips are super important and uh, the fight can be won and lost in the grip battle. Okay. So make sure you grab some grips. Grab anything. Grab anything. Except don't bro. grab the rash guard if you're in no gi. Oh yeah, you're not allowed shorts. to grab their shorts or rash guard. <laughs> uh, if your girls ponytails are all good, you can grab ponytails. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a new one for me. <laughs> yeah, try not to grab like the when you get pinched when someone grabs like the back of your tricep and they just get your skin. Oh, that's a rough one. That okay. one hurts. So what's what's another? big fundamental technical mistake that white belts make? So I think I'll put these next two in the one. Okay. Which is not connecting techniques, right? This is very, very important. And this actually goes into a little bit of how, how instructors should teach beginner students, brand new students. It's very important that you teach in, in sequences, not combinations. So what I mean by connecting techniques is, you know, going from, you know, half guard to side control, then side control to mount or, or whatever, or side control into your submission. Understanding that it's, that you connect the techniques. So sometimes begin, not sometimes, all the times beginners, if they have two different techniques that should be connected, let's say for example, yeah, like uh, passing the guard and ending up in side control, and then side control doing a submission, they aren't, once you put them in a chain, they're connected as the word chain suggests. So it's not like you can, you do one technique and then you get a little break and you do the other. Those techniques need to become connected, right? So another one way that I, that I teach that, and I think I did this recently before the gym closed due to lockdown, was like failed, failed double legs where you, you get sprawled on and then you do a sit through. They're two different techniques, but they get connected in a way that they essentially become one technique, right? Because if you shoot, get sprawled on, wait till you're sprawled on and hang out there, it becomes much harder to sit through because you've given your opponent a chance to attack you 
in turtle. So even though they're two different techniques, it's like the connection has some level of overlap, right? Mm. They become the one technique. And that is super important, right? Beginners don't yet connect techniques. And again, it's not their fault, right? It's, it's because they're new or they've never been taught it yet. But it's a big mistake you see this big disconnect from technique slash positions. Yeah, there's a distinct pause. And I think that your example was was a perfect one because you you fail the shot, you get sprawled on, you sit in turn and you think, okay, what do I do from here? That's right, I sit through. And then by the time that you, you've sort of sat, hung out in that position, had to think about it and then go to apply that sit through technique, it's too it's late. It's too late, yeah. You're, so, so you're not that, getting out. That, that technique specifically I teach it as the one technique yeah you know I teach it in two ways I teach it you know if you shoot a double leg and you successfully pick up their leg is the technique over yet no you still need to finish the double leg and take them down right you're only halfway there so I teach a failed shot the same way you shoot, they sprawl on you. Are you finished yet? No, you're halfway there. You've got to do your sit through or mm-hmm. sit through is one example. You could sit back to guard as well. There's other ways to escape turtle, but your turtle escape is part of that. And another, like a, when you see people who aren't used to this get punished is sometimes when, let's say, for example, someone who's better than you at connecting techniques might do something like, let's say I sweep you and then I come up and I would land in your guard, but I sweep you and I instantly pass you. That's because I've connected those two techniques into one seamless technique. Yeah. And conversely, you can see it the other way when, when the person who's getting swept is better at the connection. I sweep you, but then I kind of have this pause in my brain of like, oh, I've swept him like, now you know, yeah. you know, step one accomplished, I get to rest. But like in that transition, you've like counter connected techniques and instantly put me in a submission. So I've gone from what could have been like this beautiful sweep into a pass to a sweep into your submission. Yeah. You know, so connecting techniques is really important. And what I wanted to add on to that is a similar. What you, what you wanted to connect to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we have that on the audio yet? <laughs> <laughs> took it off. <laughs> yeah, you took it off because it was going to be what every thirty yeah. seconds. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> every time I say something, hilarious is um is consolidating positions. Okay, so uh, this so is, this is the fifth point is consolidating position. I uh, think positions. we're up to six, right? Oh yeah, it is too. So I'm putting these two in the one right. The connecting and consolidating. A bonus tip. Yeah, if you will, <laughs> is not consolidating positions. We could talk about this from a competition point of view, a point-specific point of view, yep. but it goes beyond that anyway. Uh, I'll mention the points because it just helps better explain it, I think. So what I mean by consolidating positions is, is making sure that you are awarded that position before you move on physically or mentally from it. So if I if I pass your guard from standard competition rules. I need to be there for three seconds before I'm awarded the points for that position. So that tells me two things. One, if I'm the person on the receiving end getting my guard passed, I've got three seconds to fight 100% to not let that position stabilize. And three seconds at 100%, I mean, most people can do that. Yeah, it'll be a little bit tiring, but it's only three seconds, right? 
after that, if I wasn't able to recover my position, the position is officially being consolidated. I can relax, conserve my energy and move on to other things, right? But as the attacker as well, if I pass someone's guard, I know that for at least three seconds, they're going to fight me with everything they have to not let me stay in this position. Because if they manage to recover, I'm not awarded anything. I may be awarded an advantage. So it's, so that tells me on both ends, I've either got three, three seconds to fight for my life or I'm on the attacking end and my opponent is going to fight for their life for three seconds as a minimum, right? Some people fight longer, but usually it becomes, if you're the person getting your guard pass, you can't fight 100% tooth and nail for two minutes, right? Nor should you. Nor should you, right? That then becomes spazzing out. You know, yes. you then have to, okay, realize they got the pass, settle in and start- Working a technique. Yeah, yeah working yeah. a technical escape, right? But you see that particularly from like sweeps and things like that, like lower belts. Let's say I'm, I'm you know- training with a lower belt and I like let them sweep me or whatever. And then I can kind of instantly bounce back up and come on top because they don't fight me for that like three seconds of, no, no, you've got to get up and hold me down. I always give the analogy of, of rugby tackles, which I hate to use because I do not like rugby league or rugby union. But in those sports, if you tackle the person with the ball and just like they, their butt falls on the ground and you go, cool, job done. No, they're allowed to get back up and keep running. Yeah. You need to tackle them and hold them down until the referee blows the whistle and goes, that's one tackle, right? And so it's the same in jiu-jitsu. Like when you take someone down or you pass them, sweep them, mount them, there's this three-second period of time that you need to consolidate it. And even if we ignore competitive jiu-jitsu where points are a thing, you need to consolidate it anyway. Like if you're doing a submission-only no-points match – and I mount the person, it would be ignorant of me to think that they're not for some period of time going to fight it tooth and nail. Before. Whilst the position's weak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whilst the position isn't 100% consolidated because when it's 100% consolidated, it's much harder for them to escape, right? Yeah. Then it is as the position is arriving to that 100% consolidation rate. Right. Right. So, so consolidating is super important on both ends, on offense and defense. Yeah, that makes sense. So to combine those two together, you want to focus on chaining techniques, combining techniques in into into one essentially when they when they're coupled, like the example from uh, sweeping into a submission if you can, or um, perhaps what was the, the what, like a failed double leg uh, shot? Yeah, that was an even better example. The failed double leg into the sit through. That's one technique. It's not separated into two. And when you're doing those transitions, when you are connecting those techniques, you must consolidate. Yeah, yeah, and it goes, and it goes both ways. Like, uh, understanding that is it's going to help you think about it and learn from both both perspectives. Mm-hmm. Slightly getting off topic here, but just another teaching or learning tip, if you will, that it's just reminded me is sometimes I teach techniques that I mean seem seem silly because you kind of go like oh why would someone ever do that like sometimes you learn oh the person made this mistake so you're going to do this armbar or something but sometimes you teach something so you can learn it from the other point of view and I usually point this out when I'm teaching it Mm. I'll say like okay guys we're going to do this 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 and then I'll say something like you'll 
at the professional level, you'll never see this technique ever. Why? Because it requires someone to make the mistake I'm showing. No one ever makes this mistake at the professional level because of the technique I'm showing you right now. So yep. it's almost like you're learning more than the technique we're doing, let's call it uh, an armbar. It's not even about learning the armbar, it's about learning what not to do. I think uh, a really good example of that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but crossing your feet when in someone's lap. Exactly, so that, that's a great one, right? So for those who don't know, it's a, if you're on someone's back and you cross your feet in their lap, you can essentially be footlocked, right? Uh, why do you never see that? And just quickly, um, how how does that footlock work for those that don't know? So it works, the me mechanics of it are the same as a heel hook, really. It, I mean, more or less, it starts to externally rotate the foot, right? So it, it puts a lot of tension through typically the the MCL, like the, me the medial ligament on the inside of your knee. So it's uh, it's incredibly painful, right? But why do you never see it? Well, because black belts don't cross their feet in someone's lap because of that technique. You know, another one, yeah, like, again, uh, we are talking about self-defense last episode and I mentioned that self-defense techniques typically don't work on other jiu-jitsu fighters. A simple one is when you're mounted on someone, they don't know jiu-jitsu, they'll try to bench press you off, pushing up onto your chest, you armbar them. Mm. So do you ever – do you ever see that armbar in professional competition? No. I mean, you see armbars from mounds, but you like never see someone push on the chest and get armbarred because they don't push on the chest because they've learned if they do, they get armbarred, mm. right? So coming back to what I was saying, understanding the connecting and consolidating techniques from both sides, from offense and defense is going to help you learn. And le it's a learning tip in general. That understanding from both sides really helps you you know, better grasp the, the concept whole, yeah. or the technique or, yeah, jujitsu yeah. as a whole. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So it's, you know, you need to learn what to do in order to know what not to do and to yeah, learn. We should put that on a shirt. I think we do, yeah. <laughs> if you want that shirt, go to our Patreon and check out. <laughs> oh, shit. Shit. Now we have to produce some shirts. But no, that's, that, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's a good place to, to wrap up this episode. Um, I know, that, you know, being a lower belt myself, I, got a, I definitely got a lot out of that. Um, and so of course, like we said, you know, we could go on we, for days. We could go on for days and we tried to keep it specific to technical mistakes. Mm. We can do five etiquette mistakes, five competition mistakes, mm. you know. So in episode 15, we're talking about five etiquette mistakes. <laughs> of the, no. So... Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you enjoyed this episode, you got something out of it, feel free to follow us on your streaming platform of choice or head over to our Instagram, which is at beyond jujitsu underscore podcast. Just type in beyond jujitsu in Instagram. Should find it. You should be able to find us there. So chuck us a follow. Now, a bit of a plug. We are doing a listener Q&A episode coming up very soon in the next few episodes. It's coming soon. So if you want your question read out on the show and answered live on the air, feel free to leave us a question to do that. Just jump over to our Instagram. Again, that's at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast and send us a DM with your question. And if you want to show, go that extra mile and show an extra bit of support to the show, check out our Patreon. On our Patreon, we uh, release all the episodes a uh, 24 hours before they air, ad-free, of course. 
and we're doing live Q&As and some live streams over there. So if you want to check out some behind the scenes and more more Beyond Jiu-Jitsu content and support the show, check out our Patreon. Until next time, guys, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.